You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1264 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Monday afternoon, actually kind of midday as I am recording this, a special bonus edition of the podcast, a rare day off for me from the day job. And we got a, a slew of new rumblings from Sean Serrania of The Athletic on Monday morning. It is officially that time. I, uh, If you missed it, by the way, I dropped a new mailbag podcast Sunday evening into Monday morning for your Monday morning commute. All of that is still relevant at this point in time. So listen to that podcast as well as we had six shows Last week, yes, six shows last week, including a two-part conversation that I had with Brian Schroeder on the NBA Draft, and Glenn Willis is joining me recently, some solo podcasts, etc. It's a great time to subscribe and listen to the podcast across platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, etc., and leave a five-star rating. I really appreciate all the support already on the podcast. I will say, as we get into all of what was reported from Shams on Monday morning, it is officially silly season at this point in time. The majority of the rumors, quote-unquote, or the rumblings, however you want to say that, are leaked from somewhere. They're posturing in some cases, and I would not just take all of this as gospel, but it, whenever, whenever someone like Shams reports anything, it becomes very uh, big sort of newsy stuff for Hawks fans, and it prompts a lot of questions. I'm going to try to answer a bunch of them. This is not a mailbag podcast, but I got a ton of questions immediately after those rumors and after the report that was out there, so... I'm going to address all of that stuff and my own thoughts of what, about what was reported on this sort of bonus edition. I won't be able to do this for every single news drop in the next few days. But uh, again, as I mentioned before, it's a rare off day for me from the day job. So I had some time to go ahead and sift through this. We have some guests lined up later in the week. So I wanted to go ahead and knock it out now. So first thing comes uh, involving John Collins. Not a huge surprise. There's been a lot of rumors recently, but it involves the Sacramento Kings. Uh, the reporting from Shams was that the Kings are, quote, becoming increasingly comfortable drafting at number four overall on the draft. So that's not really a Hawks thing. But later on, it was reported that Monty McNair, their general manager, has, quote, engaged in conversations around Hawks forward John Collins, end quote. But there has been no involvement of a number four pick in those discussions centered on Collins. And McNair is going to be making a decision on the pick for the Kings. So one of the pet theories of Hawks fans, I think Andrew Kelly talked about it on my show, I've referenced it a few times, would be a Hawks uh, swap of Collins for number four to try to take an upside swing on Jaden Ivey, for instance. But in this rumor, that's not going to be on the table. A lot of people asking me what the Hawks would be wanting from the Kings if it was not the number four pick. And I, I do understand that. For me, again, as a reminder, I talked about this a lot on the show earlier today, or I guess it was Sunday night, was that I am not in the camp of trying to trade John Collins. I'm just kind of viewing this through the prism of the Hawks, at least taking offers from him and uh, kind of just couching it in that I'm still high on Collins, etc. Now, the easily for me, the easy way to get value for Collins that's appropriate would be the number four pick. But if that's, if that's off the table from the Kings, then there are other options. I think uh, it's always important to keep in mind that matching salary is uh, is a thing. The Kings are not a cap team necessarily, so they have to match salary on this transaction if it were to happen. And Collins, just for the record, makes $23.5 million for next season. That's an appropriate sum, but that's what you have to match off of if you are the Kings. Um, the easiest way to get there for Sacramento would be Harrison Barnes. So that, that answers the question. Um, the, the easy way, Sands number four pick, to get value for Collins would be to center a package around Harrison Barnes. Now, to be very clear, John Collins is better than Harrison Barnes, and he's younger, he's signed for, he's signed for longer, etc. So I would not swap Collins for Barnes one-on-one, but 
Obviously, Barnes is a very useful player. Combo forward type would help the Hawks in some ways. Um, not necessarily the same ways as Collins, but if they want, if they want to make a change, that would be a way to do it. Um, the Kings apparently still want to keep Barnes as they try to win this year, which I'm not surely not really sure why they're trying to do that. But alas, that's the Kings. Um, but for me, any deal that does not involve number four pretty much has to involve Harrison Barnes. There are ways to do it without him, but there are not be enticing ways for me, at least that are not um, pretty obvious at this point in time. So Barnes makes about $18.35 million. And, you know, he's not going to change your life, but he's a two-way forward. He can play a little defense. He's a good shot creator for himself, a little bit probably more so than Collins is, less of a finisher than Collins, obviously. And I think Collins might be a better defender at this point, more of a, more of a big uh, Collins is, of course, then Barnes is, is more of a true like combo forward type, but um, a different player, but still a very useful one. And I think Barnes is a quality starter still at this point in his career. Um, he is only signed for one more season, so that's part of the calculus as well. Um, that you know that might, 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 sort of might matter to you long term, but Barnes would be uh, the centerpiece presumably if it was not number four overall pick. Other than that. The guys on the on the Kings roster, I should say, that the Hawks would be maybe interested in on some level, either for salary matching purposes or for intrigue purposes, would be Davion Mitchell, who was their lottery pick from two years ago. Um, a guy that I was not super high on in the draft, but certainly someone who has some value. He's making about four four point eight million dollars right now, and uh, I'm not sure what his fit is long term with the Kings, especially especially if they were to draft Ivy at number four. But Mitchell is a guy who was not a throw in though. Like that's a guy the Kings would want to get value for in this deal or any deal. And then you have other salary matching pieces like Justin Holiday, who's making about $6.3 $6. million. Holiday is a rotation caliber wing that might help the Hawks from a death perspective. I think that he would certainly give them a quality fourth wing. That's kind of what I think of Holiday is like not a guy you want to start, but certainly on a good team, he'd be a good fourth wing option making reasonable money. You have Mo Harkless at $4.5 million, kind of similar, more of a combo forward than Holiday, who is more of a wing. But Harkless is another guy who can be in your rotation, maybe be that backup forward type um, that you we talked about a little bit yesterday on the show, actually, behind uh, either behind Collins or alongside Jalen Johnson, et cetera. He might be that kind of veteran option in that. Also, the Kings have all of their own first-round picks moving forward, um, 20, 2023 and beyond, and they had the 37th pick this year, which has some value. So I'm not going to do a full fake trade here from the Kings and Collins, but um, for me, the only way that it gets interesting if I am the Hawks and not number four, number four overall would be Barnes and some substantial stuff alongside Barnes, whether it's Barnes and Mitchell or Barnes and a future first-round pick. Something like that, you could say, makes appropriate value sense. I personally would not be in love with that kind of swap, but I do understand the thought process behind it. And Barnes is a good player who's making less than Collins for less time. So if you're worried about the future finances, as I'm sure Tony might be, um, that might be part of the calculus as well. I don't think that the Kings would do Barnes and Mitchell for Collins. If I had to guess, they probably value Mitchell at a high level. But that would be what I'd be asking for if I'm the Hawks, if you want to just marry yourself to this kind of um, talk, that would be the way to do it. So just to answer all the questions that I was getting about why the Hawks might do this, I don't know if they will. That's important here. Again, this is, this is kind of silly season stuff. Maybe the Hawks are uh, taking calls, but not necessarily looking to move him to the Kings in particular. But if you cross four off the board, it kind of has to be Harrison Barnes and something else for me. There might be a way to get to the salary to match with Rashawn Holmes and Holiday or something like that. But Rashawn Holmes, as a center, does not have a lot of value to the Hawks. That's a pretty negative value in terms of like what you'd be taking back. So maybe there's a way to do like a Holmes, Holiday, plus like two or three more assets for Collins. But that's more of a dump move that you might, might do as like a rebuilding team. I would not love that if I was the Hawks. So there are ways to do it matching salary-wise. But for me, the cleanest way, Sands number four, would be Barnes and other stuff. Okay. 
Before we get to the rest of the podcast, a word from our friends at BetOnline.ag. And the NBA season is not over, of course. The fun never stops at BetOnline. There are plenty of stuff to focus on always in the sports world. With that as a backdrop, BetOnline is the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and sports information this year. They have the latest odds and news and developments. That includes the Stanley Cup Finals, which are ongoing at this point in time. They have baseball stuff, odds, scores, lines, etc. They have the latest fight stuff. And even next season's NFL, college basketball futures. I talked a lot about NBA futures on the last podcast, which is certainly available for your consumption at BetOnline. And they have other stuff in the wagering space. That includes live betting and esports. They have poker and they have casino games and more. And the other sports that you might be interested in are all covered at Bet Online. I mentioned before hockey, but they have golf and tennis, auto racing, horse racing. They have soccer, cricket, entertainment bets, and any sport you could possibly think of, table tennis, etc. Head to Bet Online right now on your, on your computer or mobile device to learn more about all of the trends and the action across the sports world. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, more to get to from the Shams reporting. On Monday morning, this is sort of the lowest profile item, but he mentions that Hawks free agent guard Lou Williams is going to intend to continue playing. And he quotes his agent, Wallace Prather, saying that Lou is not pursuing retirement and he'll be proactive in talking to teams during free agency, end quote. So uh, this is a, not hugely surprising, but certainly a little bit surprising. I thought Lou was probably going to retire if I had to guess. He still might, by the way. Um, I don't say this to be negative, but he was not very good this year. That was kind of uh, pretty obvious, I think, to most people. But he'll be 36 in October. I've always been a fan of Lou. I, I definitely wish him the best long term. I'm not somebody who wants to play. But all of the reporting and what he's leaked out and what he's even said on the, on the record is that he's not a guy who wants to just go anywhere to play, usually. Now, that, that might have changed. Maybe he just keeps, maybe he just likes playing, wants to be around, et cetera. But in the recent past, like there was some rumblings from him that he considered retirement when he was traded to Atlanta. Um, so he, that's not that long ago. And I think he's not a guy who wants to go to most markets to play. There's been some buzz out there, but he kind of only wants to play in like LA and Atlanta at this point. I mean, he spent so much time in L.A. Obviously, he's from Atlanta, but he could get a minimum from a team, I'm pretty sure, if he was willing to go wherever that might take him. Now, he could sign a minimum with like the Clippers or Lakers. That wouldn't stun me either. Those are veteran teams that want to win now. I'm not sure how much value he still has on the court. Again, he was not very good this year, but maybe as a third point guard type um, veteran presence at the minimum could be interesting for a team or two. The Hawks, of course, also could sign him if they want. I would be uh, surprised if that happened. I think that Nate does like Lou, but I think it did not go super well. By the end of the season, you might remember that Lou was kind of, he was hurt, but it was kind of a weird situation where he was just like, no updates happening on him. He just was, he was around the team, but he was not playing. And I think they kind of pulled the plug a little bit there at the end of the season. So we'll see where that land, where that lands. It wouldn't stun me if he was playing next year. It wouldn't stun me if he was retired next year. But for now, he's at least not retiring. He was at least looking for a team for next year. And again, I would be surprised if it's the Hawks, but uh, they have the ability to sign up if they want to. He's, of course, a local product that has some ties to Nate, et cetera. Last thing that Sean's reported, and this is uh, probably the uh, the newest slash most intriguing of the Nuggets, is that the Timberwolves have discussed deals around veteran centers. That, that's quoting Shams, and that includes Atlanta's own Clint Capella. So this is interesting in that the Wolves have Carl, Carl Anthony Towns on the roster, who is an All NBA level center. But um, obviously, you know that might indicate that they're willing to play him at the four a lot more. Uh, as I talked to Glenn Willis, friend of the podcast, he mentioned to me, and I've noticed this as well. Towns played a decent amount of four last year as well. Um, he's a guy who's capable of playing there. So maybe the Wolves under new management with Tim Connolly want to go a little bit bigger, have Cat play a little bit more four and have a more quality starting center next to him. Plus Capella is an awesome defender, anchor, rebounder, etc. Ironically, the Wolves were part of that giant four-way deal that got Capella to the Hawks in the first place. They didn't like touch that, but it was an interesting kind of swap there. He, they were involved in that. As discussed on the last mailbag on Sunday, Capella is owed about $18.2 million for this coming season. 
and then about 43 million combined over the next two after that. So a three-year deal basically remaining for Capella. So with any deal, again, the Wolves do not have cap space. This is a salary matching um, exercise if the Wolves wanted to get involved with Capella. It could be a three-team team as well, three-team deal as well. But again, there's like a whole subplot about whether they want to play Towns at the four, but that's a it's a Wolves podcast kind of thing. But Capella would anchor their defense for sure. Um, there are some interesting options for the Wolves to potentially trade with the Hawks. I'm just going to name them in uh, in descending order of money. Um, one is that they have D'Angelo Russell, who's making about $31 million this year. That's a lot of money on a one-year contract. Um, we'll get back to the fit stuff in a second. And they have Malik Beasley, a local Atlanta product, $15.5 million for next year, and then a team option for the following season. Then they have Patrick Be- Beverly at about $13 million, expiring one- a one-year deal for Pat Bev. Then they have a bunch of guys who are a little bit cheaper but are also kind of interesting as as additions to the deal, Jared Vanderbilt, about $4.3 million. Jaden McDaniels at about $1.9 million. Nas Reed at about $1.9 million guaranteed. And then the Wolves have the number 19 overall pick in the draft as well. They have three, th- they have three second round picks. They have all their future first round picks as well. So that's a wide berth of what could be included for a Capella deal. Um, obviously, they're not going to trade Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Edwards. So I'm not even going to mention, mention those guys. But everybody else, in theory, would be available that is signed with the Wolves. And that's kind of – it's kind of those five players, Russell, Beasley, Beverly, Vanderbilt, sorry, McDaniels, and, and Reed. That's six players that could be at least kind of interesting in some ways. Now, I'm not going to do a full deep dive here, but um, people were asking about Russell right away. Uh, Russell's a good player. He's not my favorite player. And also that's a lot of money, even if it's a one-year deal. And for me, him and Troy Young do not fit particularly well together. Now he would address the secondary creation that the Hawks have been looking for reportedly. Um, he would be their, their best shot creator on the perimeter that they've had in the Trey Young era, other than Trey, of course, but defensively that's kind of a catastrophe. Um, Russell is not a great athlete either. Um, that's not something I want to do probably long-term, um, e- even short-term. Now I, I, I do get it. And maybe they want to shed the long-term salary or whatever. But um, in, in the short term, with the Hawks pressing up against the luxury tax, uh, Russell makes considerably more than Capella, like more than $10 million more than Capella next year. That's a tough sell. So it had to be Capella and something else, whatever. Uh, anyway, I would not be interested in that. Not sure about the Hawks, but uh, Russell would be a guy that could conceivably want, in theory. Um, more probably likely would be something like either using Malik Beasley or Pat Beverly as the salary ballast in this kind of deal. Beasley is a reasonable contract at 15 and a half million with a team option. But um, the problem there would be that he is basically a pure shooting guard in the same way that Kevin Herter and McDonavich are both pure shooting guards. Now those guys could be moved in separate deals. That's possible as well. But on the current roster, Beasley doesn't really do much for you. He's not someone you can play at the three, like some, obviously the Hawks will use another wing, but they don't want another six, five pure two defensive weakness kind of shooting guard on their roster probably. And that's what he is at this point. Obviously a high, a high end shooter and a pretty interesting guy to match salary with, but not the greatest cleanest fit at this point. Beverly would help them in some ways as a good defender, veteran presence, short-term deal, but he is on the older side and also it's expiring. So if you want to keep that salary slot, Beverly would not be terribly interesting. And I think they'd probably value him as well. But I think that as sort of a antagonist, tough guy can shoot it a little bit, play off the ball next to Trey guard point guards. He's an interesting fit and a pretty decent salary matching guy. So if you keep that in mind, $13 million, Beverly plus something else, whether it be Vanderbilt, McDaniels, Reed would get you to enough salary to swap Capella back. Whether you want to do that or not is another, is another conversation. Cause personally I would not be interested in a Beverly, uh, 
throw-in guy for Capella kind of deal in terms of value. Now, McDaniels is probably the most interesting guy of, of the Wolves. I do like him quite a bit as a value at, at what he's making now, especially in a young player, pretty interesting player. Um, I probably would not do a Beverly McDaniels for Capella swap, but if you go like Beverly McDaniels and a pick for Capella, that's pretty interesting in some ways. Again, a lot of this is contingent on what they do at center, whether they're ready to hand it over to, to a Kongwu is an open question at this point in time. Obviously, they've been linked heavily to Aiton and Gobert. Um, maybe if you are linked to those guys and you want to trade for those guys without sending Capella in those deals, maybe you get the Wolves involved, send Capella there to where you already have invested now in Gobert or Aiton in a swap. So these are all, uh, keep in mind, these are all like moving parts on the chessboard. Um, Capella just being sent out without a center coming back is a deal that like really kind of marries you to a Congo, which is fine. A Congo is a really good player, but maybe you want Nas Reed in that deal as a backup center. Maybe you want something, another option like that, or maybe you want to acquire a backup center another way, et cetera. So there's a lot, lots of moving pieces, but it, it, it doesn't stun me that Capella has trade value. I talked about that a little bit on the show yesterday, but Capella, um, at least now, has officially been linked to a team for the first time in this kind of form. I would say the, the Hornets have been a theoretical fit for Capella for a while, as they don't have a center defensively in particular. Um, and Capella could be moved very easily if they wanted to. The question is whether they actually want to do that and just kind of hand, hand the reins over to a Kongwu or as part of a big swap for one of the more high-profile centers. So time will tell on all that. But there are options there. There are options on the Kings deal. There's stuff out there. I'm not saying I'm married to any of this stuff because I'm really not. Um, I would not be looking to trade Collins in the way that some might be looking to trade Collins. Capella is a little bit more interesting. I've talked about that extensively in the last few months, both on the Capella deep dive that I did with Glenn Willis, Akongwu, et cetera. I think Capella is still really good, but there is an argument for sure for handing it over to Akongwu at this point in time. You invested in him so highly as a top half of the lottery draft pick a couple of years ago. He's proven some stuff at this point. So that's a pretty interesting hypothetical, but you have to match salary and there are always moving parts and there's a new new management in Minnesota, which kind of adds the uh, int intrigue there from uh, as Conley goes over from Minnesota, sorry, from Denver to Minnesota. Okay, that's all I got on uh, on these little rumblings. Nothing has risen to the level of a five-alarm fire just yet, and usually I wouldn't do like an emergency podcast. That's not really what this is, more of a bonus kind of check-in to give my thoughts on all of these rumblings, but here we are. There'll be more of this stuff, I'm sure, in the coming hours and days. The draft is like, I don't know, 80 hours away as I record this midday on Monday, so three-plus days away, and uh, it's going to be fast and furious coming. They can make a deal before the draft. They can make a deal on draft night. They could do nothing on draft night and just make their picks. We will see on all that stuff, but please subscribe to the podcast. Tell a friend about the show, and we'll uh, definitely see you later on this week, so please stay tuned. We'll see you next time.